Welcome to Victim Me Advocate, where we work to lift the veil of mystery that can sometimes surround the criminal justice system. The views expressed in this podcast are solely that of the Gloucester County Victim Witness Program and are not reflective of Gloucester County, Commonwealth Attorney's Office, Gloucester County, or the Department of Criminal Justice. Trigger warning, some topics may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Today, we are going to be discussing the aspects of elder abuse. It's on the rise in America, and so we would like to share some ways you can combat this growing issue. All right, so one of the first things that we really want to start off with is what is elder abuse? Um, You know, you hear it and then you're not quite sure, you know, what constitutes as it. So to start off, the World Health Organization has a very clinical definition, and they say that elder abuse is a single or repeated act or lack of appropriate action occurring within any relationship where there is an expectation of trust, which causes harm or distress to an older person. Um, so if you're not a doctor, we're reading that from a clinical perspective, that can be a lot of um, really intense words. Um, so to kind of weed through it in a layman's terms, this is an act of abuse that happens um, that involves an elderly person and say someone who takes care of them or someone in their family. And this can range from abuse from uh, caregivers both in a private setting, say if um, someone has hired someone to come into their home and work with them, or in an institutional setting, which are things like nursing homes and um, long-term care facilities. And further, this abuse can be anything from sexual abuse, physical abuse, psychological abuse, neglect of basic needs, and even financial abuse. So um, one of the things we really wanted to kind of look into is what what is the rate of reporting on this? Um, And the World Health Organization, which we will reference um, multiple times in this podcast, say that um, only about one in 24 cases of elder abuse are ever reported. And um, it often tends to go underreported uh, because when the perpetrator is, is a relative or a friend, this can cause um, some uh, uh, some tentative back backup in reporting. And um, this can be for a number of reasons, ranging from, like I said, the elder not wishing to get their friend or family member in trouble or because of their lack of access to resources. So in this podcast, we really try to kind of connect things to our um, geographical area and here in Gloucester and small towns. So in Gloucester and in our surrounding areas that are small towns, the um, um, it, reporting can be a bit deterred for a lot of victims. Um, you have to drive to get to most places, say to the store or to the sheriff's office. Um, and then you, we also have very cell, um, spotty cell phone reception. So um, these victims can feel even more cut off from the world than they already are, say if they are stuck in their homes because they have lack of mobility. Um, not to mention that these victims may be worried that they can lose the help they're getting, especially if they rely on caregivers for many basic needs that ways younger people may take for granted, like going to the bathroom alone or bathing themselves alone um, and they can also feel that they may not have any cheaper or better options so when I read that it really kind of sparked an idea in my mind where I wanted to know kind of what the cost of living is here in Gloucester and um, a website I found found that um, the cost of living in Gloucester though it's about 1.5% lower than the national average so it's a little cheaper than what would uh, be our average cost of living it's still relatively high especially when we look at it through the context of um, elderly folks who are living on fixed incomes like a lot of um, elders are with say their Medicaid and their retirement. Another obstacle that we face are health issues associated with growing older. Things like Alzheimer's and dementia can take a toll on the elder as well as their family and can be an attractor for perpetrators who may feel that this person is not able to speak out on abuse. There are signs of elder abuse. Earlier, we outlined just a few forms of elder abuse, so let's delve into what those signs can be and what to look for. 
So first, there's physical abuse. This is one of the first things that come to mind when you hear the term elder abuse. They are what you think of in an institutional setting like a nursing home. This abuse can be things like injuries such as bruises or bed sores. Signs can also be malnourishment. If you notice your loved one has lost a significant amount of weight without a pre-existing condition. Note though, even if there are pre-existing health conditions, keep up to date with medical care and doctors who can differentiate these things because that may be a contributing factor to a perpetrator's reasoning. Another one, another sign of elder abuse is poor hygiene. Older folks rely heavily on caregivers to help them do basic things that we as younger people may take for granted. If you notice that an elderly person is having issues with their hygiene, incontinence is not being addressed, they are not being bathed properly or regularly, bring these concerns to the attention of management or hired. As we will mention later on, addressing these concerns with the main caregiver may not be appropriate in some situations. Um, another sign of abuse is emotional or psychological abuse. If you notice symptoms of anxiety, depression, or confusion, this can be a sign of elder abuse. If you notice that your once very lively elder has withdrawn from family or may not be returning calls or mail, please document this. A final term that we are going to address here is financial abuse. Keep track of unexplained transactions or transactions that may not be in line with receipts. Uh, many older folks tend to keep very good records of their transactions through receipts and use less technology um, like advanced payment options, things like checkbooks. So just keep an eye on these things. It's, um, it's important to keep those records. And then just take a note of any change in behavior actions that are out of the norm for the elder. So what can you do to help and prevent? This is the point of our entire podcast to outline the options that both victims and bystander have. One of the most important things is to check in on your loved ones who are older. These perpetrators prey on older folks who do not have a strong support network or someone younger who is keeping them engaged and connected to the world. Not to mention, according to the National Institute of Aging, positive social interactions can lead to a longer life expectancy and bring overall health. With this information, can we further deduce that this can have a negative impact on perpetrators and in some cases, discourage them from preying on an older person? Another thing you can do to help prevent elder abuse is ensure that people who are taking care of the elder in your life or who they say they are. You can easily look up court information as well as background checks and bring any concerns you have to the person's attention. Searching popular social media accounts such as Facebook, Instagram, TikTok with the person's name can give you a better insight on who they are. Also, seeking a caregiver from a reputable company or someone who comes with reputable references is always a way to help weed out anyone who may be of issue. Okay, so one of the um, most important parts of this podcast and, and a question that you're probably wondering as you're listening to this is what can you do if you see or suspect that elder abuse is happening um, either to yourself or to someone in your family? So as um, Victim Witness always encourages everyone, um, always call 911 in an emergency situation. Um, be sure that in an emergency you can get to a safe place and contact the proper authorities. Um, if you suspect elder abuse is happening in an institutional setting, say in like a nursing home or a long care, uh, long-term care facility, uh, document all of these concerns and immediately seek out someone in management or hire to express these concerns too. 
Uh, as we mentioned uh, previously in our last section, it may not be best to go directly to the staff member who you may suspect is perpetrating this elder abuse. Um, we really want to avoid confrontation in any situation in which um, you or the elder are, are not safe. So um, we don't want anything that it can escalate. Um, and then another thing that I think we notice is, especially here in Gloucester and Matthews and Middlesex, we do have a lot of like local talk pages and a lot of folks tend to reach out to social media to maybe get some support or maybe see if anyone else is having problems with this particular care facility or this person. And um, while we encourage that type of community, it, it's important to refrain from sharing copious amounts of information and identifying information for either yourself, your family, or the victim. There's a lot of stigma that surrounds abuse and aging. Um, and uh, anything that can lessen the, the rate of um, you know dumbing down the dignity or hurting the dignity of the person who's being abused is really important. Um, if you suspect that abuse is happening in a private setting, uh, some of these things are kind of the same but a little different. It's important to document all concerns. Um, then reach out to the company the person is employed by. If, say, for example, they don't have a company, this is a private person that you have found and brought in, um, reach out to your local law enforcement with your concerns, as well as your local victim witness program. Um, these organizations can help connect you with important resources and determine the appropriate response to uh, your loved one's situation. And one of the things that we always, always encourage everyone is never feel like something is too minuscule um, to report or that, you know, you calling is, is a waste of time for law enforcement. I know a lot of times I, I get calls and people are like, I know that you're busy. I know that this, you know, is um, not as important as things, but everything is important. And our number one thing is that people feel safe and comfortable in their homes and they are free of abuse. Um, and these people are here for you and uh, we, we are here to keep everyone safe. And then I want to hand it over to Chelsea, who mentioned a really good point when we were going over this um, and how we can reach out to Adult Protective Services. Um, so anytime you see abuse, it's a great idea. You can always make an Adult Protective Services report. It, that doesn't necessarily mean that criminal charges will come. So sometimes that avenue is a little more comfortable for people. And they they have access to lots of resources that victim witness or law enforcement may not have. And most of the time we will end up making those reports when you tell us something is happening anyway. And those people can get you connected to you know, financial resources and in-home caregiver, whatever it is that their services are lacking or whatever it is that elder might need, they can definitely step in and fill the void. So just making a report to them, even if you feel uneasy, is a great way to go. And it doesn't necessarily mean that someone will be in legal trouble. It's just helping that elder with what they can do. So some other things that victim witness advocates will do, um, if there were be criminal charges that would come through, is we would help them um, through the system and you know make sure that the victim knows their rights and that the family members know their rights. We can also connect victims with local resources like shelters, food pantries, mental health counseling, and housing to help alleviate some of the burdens that can arise in the criminal justice system. We can also connect with our, our community-based advocates who can not only collaborate with us, but can also open up a wider range of services that we alone may not be able to provide. So that's just like working with APS or social services. Another thing we can assist with is helping the victim get a protective order against their abuser. There does not have to be an active criminal case or charges taken out on the perpetrator to come in and file for a protective order. If there, are, if there are active criminal charges, our program is there with the victim and their family every step of the way and can organize meetings with prosecutors as well as logistical stuff like rides to the courthouse and scheduling during this process. This may be incredibly taxing on the victim and their family, so it's important to us that we provide the best care we can to our victims. 
along with assisting through the criminal justice system or helping make those APS reports. Um, we also serve on a committee that's called the Peninsula Elder Abuse Forensic Center. Um, this is comprised of people from different localities like Pocosin, Yorktown, just people around us. Um, there's attorneys on this, there's people from social services, APS caseworkers, people from Avalon. Um, there are so many people that are on this committee and what we do is we sort of brainstorm how to assist with some of the most, um, some, some of the severe elder abuse cases. But there's also somebody on this team, and it sort of goes back to the financial aspect of this, who is um, a forensic auditor. And so what he does is they'll send him, hey, like, it seems like someone's taking stuff out of this elder, out of this elder's account without it being authorized. And he goes through all of their records, also helping them with money management skills. If that's something that they're doing is just blowing through resources because of their mental health issues or their age, you know, what comes with aging, he can help them sort of sort through their account and say, this is what you should be doing. And this is how to better manage money and also assisting their loved ones with understanding their financial situation. So that's what's really great about this team is we can all bring questions that we have or bring these cases to each other and sort through how to solve them and what's the best option going forward for that elder. And I am so glad that you as a director are a part of that. And I'm glad that we have a lot of professionals that are dedicated to helping make the lives of our elders safer and better. Um, and so now that we've kind of laid a lot of this information on everyone, um, we kind of went back and forth with what we wanted to do for our little icebreaker get to know us thing. And I think that what we suggested was that um, a question that we would pose as to for to each other was what advice would you give to someone who is taking care of a loved one or working through um, this very tumultuous time of elder abuse? Um, and Chelsea, I believe we wanted to kind of go to you first. What were some of the ideas that you had? Just along with what we've been talking about, a lot of this is stressful and can be sometimes things that are easily missed. So when working with a loved one, I would say just get some self-care. Take care of yourself so that you are better open to, you know, seeing these things and being able to not get burnt out and assist your relatives or your friends or maybe if you're in a caregiver role, assist these these people that need our that need our help better and to be able to keep your mind open. So with that, Autumn, what, is there anything you would like to add or any advice you'd like to give? Well, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Self-care is a big part of this. Please do not be afraid to ask for help, whether that is resources um, regarding like transportation, if you need education on it, or the big thing is counseling, in my opinion. A lot of this can be very draining on you, especially if it's a direct loved one. It can be really hard and you need to take care of yourself to be able to take care of them. And that's probably my main focus on that. What about you, Shannon? And I 100% agree, um, you know, you, your, your cup, you can't be filling other people's cups if your cup is not um, running over. And um, one of the things that I think is so important, and uh, we've kind of reiterated it multiple times in this podcast, is just knowing the signs and not being afraid to speak out. I know that um, when I was a teenager, I was working at a local grocery store in Matthews, and um, I noticed a time where I thought that maybe some elder abuse could be going on. I noticed a woman who we were all aware takes care of, an old elderly man who could not leave his home, would come in and she'd say buy a carton of cigarettes and then she would write checks over, much more over the amount than what would be necessary, say for like 40 to $60 over. And I do recall making a call to the sheriff's office and just asking for a welfare check. And um, I'm not sure whatever came of that, um, but I think it's really important to not be afraid 
afraid to speak up, you know, especially in small towns, you know, you can be worried that maybe something might come back on you or maybe somebody's grandmother's cousin's best friend maybe knows you. Um, but definitely don't be afraid because a lot of these elderly folks are cut off from the world and they rely on good people who notice things that are off and just to check in with them and maybe watch out for them. And, um, and now that that's been said, I'm going to hand it over to Autumn, who's just going to really wrap everything up and kind of go over a couple of housekeeping items. Thank you, Shannon. And with that, we are bringing this podcast to an end for today. As always, thank you for tuning in and giving your attention to an important issue that affects many in our community. All of the resources and organizations we've mentioned will be linked in the notes part of this podcast. Also, follow us on Facebook, where we are currently posting some summer-themed crime prevention tips, tips, as well as updates to our podcast upload schedule. Until next time, this has been Victim Meet Advocate.